You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. 19, please. I sure do appreciate that, fellas. I can remember back when I first started, uh, well, uh, before I got saved, I'd gone to several funerals. And uh, at those funerals, uh, it was pretty common that they would play the, or somebody would sing the old rugged cross. And I thought it was a pretty interesting or neat song or what have you. Uh, but, uh, but I remember after I got saved, it sure did change its meaning uh, to me because I really understood it. And I, uh, I've shared before, but I, I, as long as I can remember, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I, uh, you know, I believe he was virgin born, died on the cross, rose again. I mean, whatever it was, I just, I believed all that. Uh, but man, it wasn't until I realized why he died on the cross, uh, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. It, it became personal. Uh, anybody else remember when the cross became personal? Uh, and ever since that time, let me tell you, the cross is personal to me. Amen. And so uh, we're going to be preaching about something Jesus said while on the cross here in John chapter number 19. So if you take your Bibles, please, and open to the book of John 19, I want to preach on this thought today, the word that shook the world. The word that shook the world. All right? And by the way, if this sound isn't good or whatever, I'm trusting one of you guys to go back and help, but, but if not, thank you, fellas. I can't hear up here. So, uh, the word that shook the world, John chapter 19. And I just want to read one verse to start with this morning. John 19 and verse number 30. The Bible says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Lord Jesus in our text is hanging on Calvary's cross. Darkness veiled the face of the sun. The earth shook and trembled. And the mountains rocked and reeled. Jesus Christ was dying in agony and blood. He was struggling for every breath as he fought off suffocation on the cross for six grueling hours. He lifted up his head finally and cries, It is finished! This word, I believe, shook the very foundations of hell and had reverberations that echoed through heaven. It was a word that shook the, word, the world. The world has not been the same since these words were cried out from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, it is finished. Now, it's important to, under, important to understand today that Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Now, I believe it's possible that all the devils of hell may have re rejoiced when they saw Jesus dying there on the cross and, and, and seeing that he was uh, taking his last breath. Because if you study the Bible, you'll find out from the very beginning, Satan had, was using people to try to stop Jesus from coming. There was many times many infants were killed or, or an individual would be killed, but it was Satan trying to stop the bloodline, trying to stop the promised Messiah from Genesis 3.15. So no doubt this seemed like a time of victory for the demons of hell and for Satan. The religious leaders thought that their Jesus problem was solved 
We don't have this guy messing up our situation with Rome anymore. The disciples were mournful and brokenhearted because their leader, their sovereign, their king, was dying in shame upon a cross. However, it was not that Jesus was finished. Jesus said that it is finished. Now, so it kind of begs the question, what's he talking about? What kind, of, what kind of proclamation is this on the cross? It is finished. Considering what Jesus said, I, I, I want you to notice and think about something with me for a moment. When Jesus said, it is finished, you've got to understand that the people that heard him utter these words or, or cry this word out would have thought to themselves, that seems like a strange or an interesting choice of wording. That's an interesting choice of wording because what you find out is that the Greek word for it is finished is just one simple word, tetelestai. Jesus cried out, it is finished. It, he says, tetelestai. And so this one word shook the world. It echoed through heaven. It devastated the foundations of hell. This seemed like an interesting choice of words. Why? Because when he says to telestai, it is finished, this means paid in full. It means completed. It means summed up. See, this word, that, it, it's a word, this it is finished, this to telestai, it's a crucial word because it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. Not something you would say when you were just hung on a cross for six hours, humiliated before, all, before everyone, and then you cry out basically a victorious statement. It is finished. See, this is something you would say after you reach the peak of Mount Everest. This is something that maybe you would say after you turn in the final copy of your dissertation. It's the word that you would use when you make the final payment on your home. It's the word that you may use when you cross the finish line after your first 10K run. See, the word meant more than just, I survived. The word meant that I, I set out or I did exactly what I set out to do. Now, so be, again, bring it back into context here. This man's hanging on the cross, God the Son, and he cries out, It is finished. He cries out to tell us that I've completed something, I've paid for something, I've accomplished something that I've been working toward. See, right now we're in the middle of March Madness. What I personally believe is just the greatest uh, sporting event of all time. That's as a college basketball fan. It's a tournament that begins with 68 teams with one ultimate objective, to be the last team standing and cut down the nets at the end of the tournament. Only one team will be able to cry to Telestai at the end of the tournament. And it's not going to be Carolina this year, but it's not going to be Iowa either. Uh, all right? But, and the chore's not going to be Iowa State, Duke, or any of those people. But the, the, the point is, only one team, because... It's not enough just to get there. You can't cry to tell us how. You can't cry it is finished after that point because you did not accomplish what you set out to do. So 
As I think about it is finished, I can imagine at the cross when he cries out, it is finished. I can imagine an artist being there because it would have got the attention of the artist. Because the artist perhaps could think back to a, to a, to a beautiful painting that he'd been working years and years on. And, and as, a, as an artist would put so much into the painting and, and taking the time for this masterpiece, hours upon hours, and the vision that he's putting upon this canvas. And then finally when he's done, when he's finally put the last uh, stroke of genius, uh, of brilliance upon this painting, he would look and he would say, he, he would take his smock off. He would set down his easel. He would sit down the paintbrush. And he would step back and he would say, It is finished. Tetelestai is the word that he would use. It's done. The masterpiece is completed. See, the cross brought together many portraits and pictures from the Old Testament. Folks, one of the great things about the Old Testament is that the Old Testament truly is the New Testament concealed. You can see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament in pictures and in types. But I'm telling you, on the cross, the masterpiece was completed. The, the masterpiece of redemption when Jesus cried out, It is finished. The servant would have recognized this word. When he heard him cry out, it is finished, the servant heard this word and he would have looked up in wonder and he would have thought to himself, man, I recognize that word because this is the word that the servant would, would say when he would receive his orders from the master and when he would go and complete everything that he was told to do, he would come back to his master at the end of the day and he would say, it is finished. I've accomplished all of it. I've accomplished everything that you told me to do. And folks, the Bible says that in uh, he Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Listen, Jesus came to accomplish all that the Father sent him to do. And by the way, it's a kind of a cool thing here. The Bible says he said, he, he said after, after he'd received the vinegar, he cried out, It is finished. You know something else that was finished there? I'm not really getting into all this this morning, but the prophecies. Did you know the prophecy, uh, the, the Word of God prophesied how Jesus would die? Psalm 22 tells how Jesus would die. I mean, I mean hundreds of years before there was a such thing as crucifixion. Uh, the Bible prophesied, again, I told you earlier, the, prophet, the Bible prophesied to the day. 400 plus years before to the day that Jesus Christ would enter into Jerusalem. And Jesus all along the way, I mean, listen, the Bible, you, you remember those times, don't you, in the Gospels? The Bible will say that he, he did thus and such so that it might be accomplished, which was said, which was spoken by, or might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. See, he fulfilled all down to the very last that they gave him vinegar to drink. Many believe that he quoted the, the, the entire Psalm 22 on the cross, but there are several verses. Matter of fact, Psalm 22 starts off this way. See if it sounds familiar. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's how Psalm 22, it's a prophetic psalm. The Bible prophesied all these things, and they are all coming together until he takes that vinegar and says, It is finished. I have accomplished, Father, what you have sent me to do. But now, I want to focus in just a little bit on these and spend a little bit more time on the, this last, these last two, especially this one. If there was a businessman that was around the cross, 
this would have been a word that he recognized as well. See, because whenever someone made a purchase, if they paid in full and nothing else was owed, the word tetelestai would be written at the bottom of the paper. Paid in full, complete, nothing else needs to be done. It is yours in full. How about this one? When a debt was paid, if someone owed a debt, on the, once the final payment was made, the debtor would receive a paper upon which was written, it is finished. Tetelestai. It's done. You owe nothing anymore. See, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. Any of you ever work? Uh, when you work, you earn wages. You're earning wages as you work. Maybe not as much as you ought to earn uh, or feel like you ought to earn. In some cases, maybe more than you should earn. But regardless, we're earning wages. The wages of sin is death. See, the problem with us, though, is that as, as we sin, number one, we're born sinners. Anybody in here ever sinned? See, if you've ever sinned, you've sinned because you were born. You, you, you sinned. You didn't become a sinner by sinning. You sinned because you are a sinner. Uh, we were all born sinners. We were not born good and go bad. The Bible says that in sin my mother conceived me. We were all born and inherited a sinful nature. And that's why we sin. See, the problem with mankind is not so much the sins that come from our nature, it's our nature. It's that because of our sinful nature, we're separated from a holy God. And then whatever sins come from that is just evidence of that. And, but, but we're earning these wages. The wages of sin is death. Now, <laughs> man, this morning, I, 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 sadly, I know some things about debt. And the things I know about debt, unfortunately, did not come initially from reading the Dave Ramsey book. Or the Bible, which, by the way, is where Dave Ramsey gets, that's his main resource for his debt teaching and preaching. No, my lesson on debt came the hard way. Uh, anybody else? Uh, my lesson on debt came the hard way. So uh, I, I'm in love with this, uh, this young girl. And uh, now listen, let me finish. I'm going back, okay? It's Melanie. Uh, Y'all really got to look at me funny there. I'm saying, I'm going back. Uh, I was uh, probably 20 years old, and I was, I mean, I just in love with this girl, Melanie, that the Lord had brought into my life. Well, I wanted to get her a nice engagement ring. The problem was, I didn't have money. Now, I didn't have enough money to buy her the type of engagement ring I thought she ought to do. Now, let me get ahead of myself here. I'm not going to preach on debt too much today, but I want to say something. I've since learned, what do you do if you don't have enough money to buy something? You don't buy it. You hear that, kids? You don't buy it. <laughs> you don't have the money, Trey. Don't go borrowing money, man. Uh, so... So I walked into the bank. I didn't know anything. See, the thing about it, my parents didn't have debt. My parents, you know why they didn't have debt? Because nobody would loan them any money. <laughs> That's why my parents didn't have debt. They didn't know. It wasn't that they knew a lot about money. It's just that they didn't have it, and nobody would let them borrow or, you know, would loan them anything. I think one time we may have got a couch on loan. 
just to let you, just to kind of get you a picture. Listen, the rent to own stuff, man, you need to forget about that business. That's ridiculous. Anytime, let me just tell can I just go over, where's the young people at? Where's the old people at? I'm, I mean, it's, but I, I'm going to try to get to these, but try to get to you. Don't, it's not about how much something is a month. You need to forget that business. No. No, how much is it? Oh, it's only $15 a month. Okay, so here, let me get back to the story. I go into the bank. I, I hear you can get money there. I go into the bank, uh, and, I, and I had an account there, and I, and I go in, and, you know, not knowing anything, sit down with this nice lady, and I tell her the situation. I was like, you know, I said, I, I, I want to buy this engagement ring, and it's going to be, you know, up a couple thousand bucks or whatever, and, uh, uh, but I don't have the money. I said, I don't know about getting a loan. She's like, you know what we can do? We can just open up a line of credit and add it to your checking account. I'm like, well, that's good. She said, and something else we can do while we're at it, it's like, she said, we can actually add, uh, make, put that a part of your checking account, so if you ever overdraw on your checking account, it'll just charge it onto there, and you can just pay it later. Oh, boy, this is getting better and better. It got even better, because then she said, and you know, something else we can go ahead and do is we can go ahead and get you a credit card for $500 so you can establish your credit. You know, that's so important to do, apparently. And so that's what I do. And it wasn't bad. I only had, look, $2,000. I was able to go right in, get my wife an engagement ring, and, uh, you know, or my to-be bride an engagement ring. She said yes, thankfully. And uh, bless her heart, y'all pray for her. Uh, but she said yes, we got married. And so I started paying. It was only like $18.70-something a month for that ring. I could swing that. So, Zach, I just started paying 18 Something, whatever it was, a month. But Eric, there was a, this is after 18 months, two years, I can't remember what it was. And I kept looking at my statement, and I still owed $2,000 on this thing. And I couldn't figure it out. And I said, I, I, I'm, jumping, I'm telling you, man, I'm not the sharpest knife in the door. I didn't, I didn't learn about this stuff. And so I go in and I said, ma'am, I said, I don't understand. I said, I've been paying for this every month. And I was like, but she's like, oh, you've just been paying the interest. I said, the what? The interest. I hadn't paid a dime on that ring. Maybe a dime by that two years, but that's about it. Okay? So, uh, but, but then during the same time, I had that credit card. And I, I got in the same situation. Man, I'm not always the, the quickest about learning stuff. But, uh, so I, I was charging stuff on this credit card. But it was the same. But it was even worse. Because I had a $500 limit. And I was paying my $25. I'd miss one here or there, but, you know, I'd get it the next month or two. And, uh, well, finally, Zach, I called on that thing. Couldn't find out I owed them $800. And I'm like, well, how does that add up? And I was just in a mess. I'm just trying to talk to you about debt this morning. I had debt because of some dumb decisions I had made. I had a debt that I was really in a place where I couldn't pay all of it. I'll tell you something really smart that I did. I need to get off of this because I'm trying to stick with the point that I'm trying to get across to you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about co-signing, amen. But I will tell you that I once bought a car that was impounded by, by co-signing for somebody. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Banks are begging, dying to give people money. If they're not going to, there's probably a reason why. It's because that person's going to let their car get repossessed, then you're going to pay for it if you co-sign for them. Okay, all right, I'm done with that part. Debt. The Bible says that we have debt. 
I, and let me get back to this though. The Bible says we ought not go into debt. A house may be an exception, uh, or is an exception. I mean, that's hard for most of us to come up with that kind of money. But in most other cases, there's no reason to go in debt, okay? Uh, uh, but you know, but, but you, I know there's exceptions. But I'm just trying to say this. The Bible says we're in spiritual debt. Why? Because we've sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin. Now, imagine, imagine how this conversation would go. I call the bank, you know, and so, I, you know, I've already told you, I owe them $2,000. I owe this credit card company $800. Uh, and I hadn't borrowed $800. It's just all this interest and stuff. So I call them up and say, hey, good news. This is Jesse. I know that I owe you, you know, a couple thousand dollars. But I got good news for you. I don't plan on borrowing any more money. And from this point on, I'm just going to be doing good. And the, you know what the bank says to that? So glad to hear that's wonderful. You go on about your life and everything's good. That's not what they say. They say, well, well I'm glad to hear that you're trying to go about your business, and, uh, but we still got this issue of the $2,000 you owe. See, because that's what people do in a spiritual sense of things. See, people say, yeah, you know, well, maybe I'm a sinner. Maybe I've sinned, but you know what? I'm really being a good person now. I'm trying to do good for other people. I'd give people the shirt off my back. You know, whatever others are saying, I've turned over a new leaf. I've been baptized. I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can. But folks, that doesn't mean, that doesn't handle the debt that you had, the sin debt that you had before. And by the way, it doesn't even take away because the Bible says we're always sinning. Amen. Our sin, it just keeps building up, building up, building up. Now, I was talking about $2,000 and maybe a total of $2,800. bucks. i will not ask for a show of hands, but I bet there's some of you in here today that would give anything if that's all the debt that you had. Because some of you know what it is to get into so much debt, uh, you know, that you just don't know how you're going to survive. I mean, it, it, it just turns into a bad thing. And it's just the results of not following the Bible in our society. It's just crazy. But, but the point is just simply this. It's something that I had to pay. But now, the problem with sin is I cannot pay for my own sin debt. Well, there's a way that it can be reckoned, but it's not in this life. See, the Bible says that we have a debt that we cannot pay. It's the debt of sin. It's the debt of sin. The, the debt of sin is so great, so vast, so large, it's something that we could never cover ourselves. So that's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. That's the reason we physically die, but that's also the reason why there's a place called hell. I should back up, because really the, the reason there's a place called hell, the Bible says it was created for the devil and his angels, for Satan and those demons that rebelled uh, with him against God. But God's not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want to see anybody go to hell. That's why he went to the cross, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But the fact of the matter is, the only way our sin, our sin can be answered for is by sin, by death, by separation from Almighty God. But folks, the good news is, that's what the cross is all about. That's what the cross is all about. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14, In whom we have redemption. Redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Folks, I've got good news for you. How would you feel today if somebody said, I want to come pay off all your debt? That'd be a pretty good feeling, wouldn't it? 
And that's what Jesus says today. Jesus wants to cancel your debt. But we need to understand that God just doesn't say, you know what, I love you so much, I'm just going to ignore the sin. No. Sin must be accounted for by a holy God. But God loved us so much. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. See, you and I are the sinners. You and I are the criminals. We're the guilty. You and I are the ones that had the sentence executed against us. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus took it out of the way, nailed it to his cross, and cried out, It's finished. I have paid the debt. Listen to this. Every stain, every blot, every blur, every blemish that ever came across your soul. All of it. Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has done it all. See, the, our sin debt is something we cannot pay. Trying to be a better person doesn't pay in it. We come to Him and say, Lord, I need you to pay it. And He will, amen. He actually already has. We just have to accept it. Oh, man, think about what Jesus has done. And when he said, it is finished, folks, he accomplished it once and for all. See, you know what the problem is with a lot of people? And one of the main differences, you know, Blake, we had a little conversation. We were talking about different religions after church Wednesday night. You know the main difference between Christianity, true biblical Christianity, and virtually every other religion is it's either do Christianity, Bible salvation is, is done. Religion is due. Jesus finished it. I'm done. Man is always due. Due. You've got all these things you must do in order to be accepted in the sight of God. No, God has already accomplished it. Oh, listen, my friend. Jesus has done it. He's purchased your salvation. Jesus Christ, think about this. In six hours upon the cross, Jesus suffered all the hell that you and I would suffer for eternity. Think about what Jesus carried. Why did Jesus go through what he went through? Why did he go to the cross? He went through in six hours all the hell that we would have to suffer for eternity. Why? Because Jesus is infinite. He is God the Son. But the infinite God in the flesh suffered in a finite period of time what you and I, being finite, would have to suffer for an infinite amount of time. So the, finite, the infinite God came, suffered in a finite way so that infinitely we might be able to be in heaven with Him. The eternities, as well as the sin of the word, world, were compressed upon Jesus at that time. And it wasn't just the physical suffering that he, uh, that, uh, that he went through. The Bible says at midday, the glowing face of the sun hid, and the shade of night and darkness was pulled. 
There was a veil that was pulled across the sun, symbolizing the greater spiritual darkness that Jesus was in. And then as I mentioned and referenced earlier, Jesus there on the cross uttered these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What's the answer to that question? As much as God loves you, and He loves me, and He loves the world, folks, sin is an absolute affront to God. Sin is an abomination to God. That word abomination to me gives a really good picture of what sin is. The, the idea of an abomination is the idea of a, of, of, of a strong odor. What do you do if you open up a freezer that, say, lost power or went out and it's been down there for a week or two and you open up that freezer? Yes. You don't go, you don't do that. You don't go into the rendering plant and say, man, they ought to make this like that. They got to make aftershave like this. Right? Um, not what you do. That's, uh, that's the, the picture of an abomination. I mean, can I take it one step grosser? I, I'm going to. It's going to be morbid too, though, so. I remember Chad telling me his EMT. He went into a home to where the person had been dead for over a week. Right around that time. I believe it might have been in the summer too. Uh, that's terrible, isn't it? Just bear with me for this very morbid illustration, please. I'm not trying to be morbid, and I'm not trying to make light. I'm going to try to make a really good point. Imagine if this was a loved one of yours. You look at that person, and when you look at them, you see a loved one. You see somebody you care about. But you do not go get that person and bring them and put them into your car and bring them to your house and sit them at your dinner table. And say, after all, I love this individual. For obvious reasons. Okay? It's kind of like heaven. Heaven, God loves us. But our sin is an abomination. It's, it, it's repulsive to God. He loves us, but our sin is an abomination against God. God can't let that into heaven. And I don't understand this, but I want you to understand, for you, you may be saying, oh, preacher, well, the illustration you gave is a lot worse than, than sin. No, it's not. Sin is a lot worse than any gross or morbid illustration I could give you today from the, from the viewpoint of God. That's what sin is. God wants you into heaven, but your sin must be dealt with. Your sin must be dealt with. We are all born sinners, and it must be dealt with. Therefore... Hell is separate, eternal separation from God. But what Jesus experienced on the cross at noonday when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You want to know why? Because all of your stinking, putrefying sin and mine was placed on Jesus. You talk about love. You talk about grace. You talk about what Jesus was willing to carry. All that stink, all that stench, all that nastiness. Jesus says, Put it on me. I love Eric. Too, uh, th th this sin's horrible, but I love Eric too much to just let him go to hell. I'm paying for that sin because I want him to be able to go to heaven one day. And he did that for every one of us, each individual. He's, he took it on him. 
And, and in a sense, you could look at it this way, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's as if God in heaven is like, whew, I just can't. He saw all that sin upon his son, therefore he was forsaken by God the Father so that you and I would never have to be forsaken. See, this debt is a debt we just couldn't pay. But Jesus paid it. He Listen, but here's the... So, what he, did, what he did when he went to the cross is he took all of your sin. How many of you like a good deal? Am I the only one? I'm weird about this. I like deals. And so the problem with me liking deals is if you come up to me and tell me that you like this tie or this shirt, I'm going to tell you I got it at $5 at the thrift store. Why do we do that? I, I, I do that stuff all the time. Uh, you know, uh, I, or for this suit, I had a suit one time. You, oh, I like that suit. Thank you. My wife bought the pants for a quarter and the jacket for a quarter. True story at a thrift store in Pier one time. Why do we do that? I like deals. I like a good deal. Let me tell you about a good deal. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, read it slower, better, later. But here's what the verse is basically saying. Jesus says, here's the deal. You want to make a deal? Here's the deal. You give me your sin. He's already taken it anyway, but you just have to acknowledge it. You give me your, that, that nasty sin. You give me that repulsive sin. All right? But I, I want to swap with you. If you give me that, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll put my righteousness on your account. In other words, give me all of your debt, and I'm going to pay it off. But here's the good thing about God. Whew. Now, I'd be awfully happy if I owed a big old debt, and I found out, I found out, to, can you imagine this, those, those that, you know, you think about having debt, can you imagine if tomorrow you got a letter in the mail saying, uh, saying from the bank, somebody just credited your account, you know, $100,000, all of your debt is paid for. Can you imagine the relief that would be? Wouldn't that be nice? All your debt's paid for. But let me tell you something. See, he doesn't just do that. So the great thing about salvation, that's good enough. I'll take that. Lord, give me, take my sin, give me your righteousness. But he doesn't just take care of all my debt. I go back and look at my spiritual bank account, and I found out I'm a millionaire. See, because he took my sin, and then he put his righteousness, he imputed his righteousness into my account. So now, man, I've got, I've got not only salvation, but I've got joy, and I've got peace. You see what I'm saying? Man, oh, he put this into our account. He takes from his abundant righteousness to cover your lack. God's mighty work of redemption was finished. Jesus cried, it is finished. When he died, all that was necessary for you to be forgiven and to be saved was done. And of course, that's uh, taken into account the fact that three days later, he rose again. He rose again for our justification. But there's nothing... There is nothing left for you to do except to receive what Jesus has already done. The Bible says in Romans 4, verse 24, But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him. Now, we don't use the word imputed anymore, but if you listen to the imputed, it kind of can sound like impute or compute. Uh, the idea is, is that he puts his righteousness 
on our account. He gives us His righteousness. So, He hath made Him to be sin for us. He to whom shall it be imputed? If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, that's why he died, and he was raised again for our justification. Folks, he took care of the debt. But here's what you've got to do. You say, what's my part? You've got to declare bankruptcy. You've got to declare bankruptcy. See, when you get into a place where you've got debt that you just absolutely cannot get to, they've got a thing where you can declare bankruptcy. And I don't think it's a thing that's advised to do. But I'm telling you, before God, you need to declare bankruptcy. I'll tell you what too many people do. They come to God and say, well, you know what? I think I will take Jesus. Let me grab my baptism and I got my church membership. And then we come to Jesus and say, here, Lord, I got all this stuff and my good works. I'm ready to go. No. We don't come to Jesus like that. We come to Jesus and we declare bankruptcy. God, I have nothing. I can pay nothing. I love it. And you've heard me say it. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it probably a hundred times. And that may not be an exaggeration. I love, the, I love the chorus or the line of the song that says, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I don't have nothing, Lord. What do, you, what do I got? God, all I got is my sin. Oh, well, I've got my baptism. No, no, no. You need to say, Lord, all I've got is this religion that didn't do me a bit of good. Amen. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she came and she said, she'd, she'd tried many things of many physicians, but she, when she came to Jesus, she, she came empty-handed. She came broke. You ever come to Jesus like that? Well, I've got good news for you. The Bible says, listen, Jesus said, whoever will come to him, he will in no wise cast out. Ain't that good? He will not turn you away. None of you have too, so much debt that he can't forgive. See, when he cried out, it is finished, it is a way of saying that, uh, that, the, that the, the debt has been paid. The thing is, you must declare bankruptcy in order to accept it. There's only one payment that God will accept. You remember what we said he paid? He paid with his blood. He paid with his debt. He paid with having to endure separation from the Father. That was the price for you to be saved. All you must be willing to do is accept that. I've got one more thing I'm going to tell you quickly that it means, and then I'm going to give you a closing illustration. See, another thing that it is finished would mean is a general. After an overwhelming, opposing, after overwhelmingly uh, defeating the opposing army, the conquered general would wave the white flag of surrender. And we, he would wave that white flag. That defeat, man, the, the, the other army has just flat out beat him down. So that defeated general would come to the middle of that battlefield. And he'd have to get down upon his knees as he surrendered. And maybe he would have to offer his sword to that defeating general. Then that defeating general would walk out and stand as the other general bowed before him. Perhaps, J.J., he would put his foot up upon his neck and he'd raise his sword up in the air and he would cry out, It is finished! The battle is won. See, Satan was defeated at Calvary, amen? The thing that, uh, that Satan was trying to stop all those years was the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. 
Jesus is going to bust your head. And I want to tell you something. Jesus busted Satan's head at the cross. Now the good news about that is this. Satan has power over sin. Satan has power over people that don't know Christ. But I want to tell you something. That power has been taken away. And so that if you don't know Christ today, you may feel like you can't escape sin. You may, you may feel like you're too bound. You can't be freed. But I'm telling you the, that Satan has already been defeated and you can be saved. As we all stand this morning, as we'll have a Kim coming in just a moment, but as we all stand...